0: So before we get started with this actually life-changing podcast I did with Peter Krohn, and I can guarantee that it was life-changing for me. I hope it's life-changing for you. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk to you guys, of course, about Onnit. And Onnit is really known. We're known for our supplements. We're known for our foods. We're known for a lot of the things that you can ingest. But one of the great things that Onnit provides is information. And that information can come in the form of workout plans like the On It 6 program with the body weight, with the steel mace, with the kettlebells. That'll lead you through like a six-week program that's going to bring you to the best physical conditioning that you can do in a six-week program. I really believe that. Like this takes you back to the foundation of movement itself, which is super important. And then also explore the blog. Explore on it academy and just find out information. If you're curious about the Game Changers documentary, all right, like look at the research and look at the things that we put out on the blog and check out the information and look at it for yourself we try to be as neutral as possible we're definitely inclusive of as many ideas as you can imagine from a carnivore diet to exploring veganism to exploring all of the different things from a nutritional standpoint from a mindset standpoint including like fasting from social media which we completed for a week all of these things that are involved in human optimization we share the information So check it out. If you can navigate through onnit.com slash Aubrey, that'll lock in your 10% on anything else that you wanna buy, but just poke around. Poke around the blog, look for information, and I promise you'll be better for it after you finish that process. So I hope you guys go to onnit.com slash Aubrey, and of course, enjoy this podcast. So I could read you guys a bio of my guest, Peter Krohn, that's on this podcast, but really that would not encapsulate anything about what this man has to offer. I've never sat in a situation where someone has actually broke down some of the mental patterns that I was really unaware of and gone through the process of rectifying those deep, deep, deep mental programs. I mean, I was pouring down tears halfway through this as he uncovered things about myself and reframed them in a way that has really liberated me. and right now as i'm recording this i always do these intros after the podcast in many ways i feel better now than i ever have and i have to give a lot of credit to peter crone for doing that so this is a really really special episode and i'm so excited to share it with you guys and hopefully even though it talks a lot about my story you'll find the parallels between my story and your story so please enjoy this podcast with an amazing human being peter crone Peter, welcome, my friend. Thank you. Such a joy to be with you. Yeah, good to have you here. We were just talking about all the mutual friends we have, and I think a lot of people have been trying to get us together for this conversation. Yeah. So hopefully we don't dramatically disappoint everybody with what I we're about to do. I love unfulfilled expectations. <laughs> <laughs>
1: good. Good. Yeah.
0: I like it, too. <laughs> well, we were talking, man, and and uh, and I think both of us have been on a path where we're trying to figure out how to help people realize what we're capable of, Yeah. which is far more than i think the world tells us that we are capable of and, and the mm-hmm. stories that yeah. exist that have kept us kind of locked in these prisons of isolation and an idea of selfhood yeah. which is uh, quite limiting rather than the expansive nature of who we truly are
1: it's uh, beautifully articulated and i'd say that's really the game of life right is to go from the perception of limitation and constraint and to expand
0: into pure possibility Mm -hmm. so what is it where do you start you know when you're talking with somebody Mm -hmm. and you know you have a lot of people from you know elite performers in a variety of different fields that come to you yeah and you know where's kind of the the foundation you know where do you start working with people who are, who are looking to, and, and kind of feeling that call yeah. to realize themselves.
1: Gully, I, I mean, a lot of it would be customized, but I think without sounding too poetic out of the gate, I start in love. <laughs> yeah, right, and I end mean, in love, Yeah, too. That's kind of like where
0: the circle comes. That's the Ouroboros of, yeah. of the game of life, right? If you yeah. start with love, and then you can find your way back after you get lost a little bit. It's that
1: remembrance, right? Like what I call sort of a cosmic hide-and-seek Right, so it's sort of the quintessential straight jacket of our minds, where in a Houdini fashion, we've created these illusory constraints, and now the game is like break free.
0: Right, so it's like the, it's like escape room. Yeah, it's like it's like we've created this giant escape room game where we get in, and there's clues everywhere. There's uh, clues in the ancient religions. There's yeah. clues in the mystical texts. There's clues mm-hmm. all around us. Yeah, but we have to figure out our way out of this this room that we're in that that keeps us stuck yep, and unhappy and and prescribed to a bunch of different drugs and things and and intoxicants and, and things that are keeping us in this room and we're like but but the clues are there the ultimate scavenger hunt <laughs> exactly <laughs> your own
1: liberation right exactly. yeah. i mean that's that to me is the game that i love playing with people so to answer your question of like that's where i start is the love is the container so that people feel even in the face of their own perceived limitations that they're actually held and safe um, because i don't think many humans actually experience that and that's no slight on parents i think parenting is an incredibly challenging undertaking Uh, but nonetheless i feel most kids at some point are convinced that just who they are by themselves is no longer enough and for that reason we develop these adaptations, these behavioral survival mechanisms to become someone. And so by me holding a space of it's okay, it's okay. Mm. Whatever you're going through, anxiety, depression, addiction, uh, divorce, um, loss of business, and loss of someone, like it's okay. So that's the place to start. And I call that the, the quintessential maternal energy, the quintessential yeah. mother that no real mother could really emulate. And that's again, no knock on women. I have such a reverence for the feminine, especially mothers, that I don't think men really appreciate what women are capable of. But if we were to look at it as an energetic expression, the quintessential mother holds a space without judgment. Mm. It's really unconditional love. Yeah, And then we can start. And then we would bring in the quintessential father once somebody feels held. And then you can do... You know the analysis and the breakdown and go oh, okay well why are you dealing with this right but i think too many people want to jump into the fix which is more the masculine and somebody's not actually fully
0: heard and accepted for where they are and whatever they're dealing with yeah it's interesting you know i i was so blessed with the maternal line from my grandmother mm-hmm. you know i carry her on my arm here and my mother oh, will beautiful. find her face on my arm at some point as well and they've approximated unconditional love probably more than any human beings that i could have ever fathomed Mm -hmm. but the nature of the world was and again you know my father was a bit different and the world is far different as we all know the the nature of that conditioned me to believe from an impossibly early age that being was not enough right just being who i was was not enough and not worthy of love and we do and everybody does that in very subtle ways you know even the even the rewards for doing something good yeah you know rather than no reward for just not doing something good like yeah. subtle things like that yeah. which you don't even really pay attention to like yeah you played a great game wow look at that report card you know mm-hmm. and the yeah. natural expression of the attention and love that you yeah. get from teachers coaches parents other people yeah you know starts to condition you to realize like oh yeah if i kick ass then other people love me and as their mirrors of our own internal you know judgment system we start to go like oh shit well i gotta i gotta kick ass to be worthy of love and then that idea of what kicking ass means then just gets a farther and farther and farther away from us yeah it's
1: incredibly seductive it's the ultimate addiction right because the quote i use about addiction is you can never get enough of something that almost works hmm So whether it's a substance or external accolades or praise, it's never going to fulfill on the occurrence, like the illusion of lack that I perceive myself to be. Yeah. Right. So that's why it is unfortunately ingrained into society that we do see these external forms of value, love, appreciation, reassurance security as the access to our, the reconciliation of our inner feeling of lack. Yeah. Not realizing that it doesn't matter how much external validation, security, money you get, it's never going to actually mitigate or reconcile an illusion of lack because yeah. it's like fighting an invisible opponent in a boxing ring. You know, like you're never going to knock them out because you, you can't see them, but you're always in a potential feeling of threat. Yeah. Right. You're always kind of looking out to protect yourself because there's the illusion that there's something out there that could hurt me, not realizing that actually what's being exposed is the feeling of hurt that's already in you.
0: When you said that, you know, and I think that's that's a great articulation of addiction of how seductive it is when it almost works, and it makes me think of the allure of power. Yeah, because power has some of the force that mm-hmm. love has. Yeah, but it's not love. It lacks that lacks the actual substance. But love can create and compel. Yeah, a lot of people and a lot of things. It has. It has. It is the strongest force. Yeah, but power itself still has force. Yeah. it just lacks substance so power itself can become that same addiction that almost works yeah, 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 yeah. you know because it has the force like love does yeah but you can never quite get enough and it will never quite give you that same feeling of love and i think that's probably our greatest addiction is this addiction mm-hmm. to power as a force rather than surrendering to the love yeah which is the actual thing that we're looking for
1: I mean again beautiful and, and there's no surprise people have been trying to get us together right yeah. we could probably sit here for days and have these conversations <laughs> but you know let's uh, we'll stick with what we got right now but like I think what I hear in the way you describe it is obviously the more quintessential understanding of power which is sort of this individualized uh humanized form of power sure. because which what I hear is there's an underlying agenda with most people's sense of power. Now I would say it's the distinction between love and power in the way that you're Mm -hmm. like describing it, because love doesn't have an agenda, is the way I put it, right? Love is all embracing, love is all accepting, which is going back to what I said earlier, when, when I meet people, it's that even though I'm a guy, I think we all have the capacity to tap into these quintessential expressions of energy so I can hold the space of the feminine of love. There's no agenda.
0: I'm just letting people be. As we should. Yeah. As all of us should. Male, female, we should both have both polarities Absolutely. available to us. Yeah. And so power,
1: at least in the way that I'm understanding that you're articulating it, is the, I would say, the old traditional form of power. Like you think of a CEO, you think of a dictator, you think of a leader who's got, you know, maybe his own ulterior motives. It's, it's a reflection energetically of control. Mm-hmm. But that to me, ironically, is much more fear than power. Mm -hmm. Because if you're having to control anything, then you're actually saying that I am perceiving external environment as a possible threat. So the more I can control, you know, when people talk about control issues, I'm like, no, they don't have control issues. They're just scared. Yeah. Power just for sake of reflection, I feel when it's really understood is actually a bedfellow of love. It's a byproduct. Because I can be with anything and not be affected. So power, as I like to at least sort of redesign or rearticulate it, is my capacity to be with any circumstance with the absence of the need to control anything. Mm. So it's a it's sort of an updated version of power, should sure. we say. Now, power, as most people understand it, like success. Oh, my God, they're successful. But that, to me, is still so um, archaic because people are equating that with finance. And I'm like... I work with people who have more money than time, and you would say they're successful, but I'm working with them because they're sick, they struggle with depression, addiction, they don't have good family relationships, they're struggling with all sorts of internal physical disease. That, to me, does not connote uh, success, right? So even that is a a new way to define these words that I think are, in a funny way, also holding us back because if people are pursuing success but what they're pursuing is a definition of success that itself isn't success then you're doomed for
0: failure <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i guess a, another way to look at it is if someone loves you yeah they will be compelled to do things for you right you'll be able to move they'll, they'll move mm-hmm. in accordance and they'll be naturally drawn to you yeah if someone loves you you know they'll go to the end of the earth for you you know they'll really Mm -hmm. do that if you have enough power and they want that power and you can give them that power and you have the power through again fear is deeply woven into the power and Mm -hmm. greed also yeah you know which are the two kind of forces that are there power can also compel people to do things oh for sure you can pay someone to go to the ends of the earth or you can you know scare someone to go to the ends of the earth for you so it's it's this compelling force which is similar to love in the fact that it can compel action and i think we confuse that with oh yeah it's compelling it's compelling people to do something it's making me important yeah but it's just the wrong orientation and i think that's why it's like an addiction because it's close Mm -hmm. enough we can get people to do stuff for us we can get people to favor us we can yeah. get people to come to our dinners or do our things yeah, yeah, yeah. based on our power yeah but it's not quite it and it leaves you really empty and unsatisfied yeah. because ultimately you're like well do they love me or do they just want something from right. me which is why you see so many successful people and i've been around those billionaires and millionaires before and there's an yeah. emptiness and a sadness yeah i've never seen more sad people than when i went to a billionaire's birthday party Mm -hmm. and it was a ridiculous thing by the way it had like the best food the lineup was Fleetwood Mac John Bon Jovi and Sting yeah at his private birthday party in fucking Greenwich
1: it's not too shabby
0: not too shabby like with a freaking xylophone in my house (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) that is not too shabby but I've not seen unhappier people collectively yeah because i'm fairly sensitive to the energy i've never seen a collection of more unhappy people yeah and that was that's a very interesting thing that people don't understand mm-hmm. and everybody's like easy for you to say bro you know right. they have all these things like if i had that i'd be so happy okay prove it yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah. like until you get there and yeah. realize that that can actually lock you and maybe it's a very large room but you're still playing escape room except yeah. the room is so big yeah. that it's even harder to find your way out. Yeah. You know, because it's scarier to see what would be on the other side. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, to the point you were making
1: just earlier, the, the difference in that, the word that comes to mind is you're describing, like, we want to get people to our dinner party. Or like, look at social media. We want to get people to like us. Like, there's one word which can sort of be construed as ugly, but it's manipulation. Mm-hmm. Like humans are brilliant at having a facade, a pretense, because it's a form of survival, right? And it, but it buys right into the underlying sense of separation because what's primal for us is to feel a sense of belonging, mm-hmm. right? We were talking about earlier, the sense of unity. Why? Because my assertion is we are all connected. So that's why we crave it, right? That is the return to the remembrance of our true nature, which is oh, I'm not separate. But as long as we're in the illusion of separation, then I have no choice but to believe that I have to become someone in order to overcome the fear, the disease, the dis-ease of feeling separate. And so all of the human adaptations to that, whether it be power, whether it be control, whether it be the illusion of success or the portrayal of success in order to be loved and accepted. So it's really quite innocent. It's almost like adorable Mm -hmm. because it's like a child, even though it can manifest in really kind of you know, very unattractive ways. But if people can have more love and compassion themselves and realize, oh, wow, all I'm actually trying to do is be loved. And the reason I'm trying to be loved is because, as cliche as it sounds, I haven't established that for myself. Yeah. I haven't discovered that I'm okay being me warts and all, really embrace myself across the gamut of my humanity without feeling that I can only experience that sense of real peace when i get everyone on the planet to love me Mm -hmm. which is not only futile but it's also exhausting (laughs) yeah
0: it's a it's an it's an impossible problem when you ascribe to the conditional love paradigm Mm -hmm. this is in a love paradigm that is conditional which is pretty universal outside of you know some kind of mystical truth or some kind of psychedelic you know a satori awareness that mm-hmm. comes to you and you're like oh shit it's love is everywhere and everything and i am that too mm-hmm. you know so in that in that kind of state but in a conditional love paradigm the problem is is that you fix one end of the scale yeah. at perfection right so one like what allows you to get and approximate unconditional love is perfection yeah and so anything that we fall short of yeah. from perfection in the conditional love scale is a reason not to love ourselves it's a right. reason to hold a grievance against ourselves it's a reason to hold a judgment yeah. and the adjudicator is our own psyche superego, whatever the thing that doles out how much love we give for ourselves yeah well we for sure more than anyone else know that we're not perfect yeah of course not yeah you know because this perfect this idea of perfect is an illusion in and of itself it's not something maybe something you could strive for but not something that you should judge yourself against because it's an impossibility yeah so everybody is holding grievances against themselves Mm -hmm. and those grievances then prevent us from giving ourselves allowing ourselves to feel the love that we should feel for ourselves because it's just a lifetime of grievances and i love the word approximate that you use
1: because and you know, I've forgotten the term in math, you maybe know, but like when a graph, you know, it's getting closer and closer to the axis, but it never touches just it in, to the point of infinity. It's just progressively getting closer, but it can never actually touch. Yeah, And there's an actual mathematical term. But um, so the approximation to that, right, it's like you can never overcome that which itself is a lie. So the quote I use, I I love writing in quotes, and in my book, that's sort of the main format. But as you speak, the one that comes to mind is, I say, "Please never become perfect; you'll have no one to relate to."
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, because you also be be full of shit. That's (laughs) the other. That's the other problem. Exactly with trying to become perfect. Yeah, because
1: again, as you said, it's a subjective commentary. Yeah, like what is it like, and it's up to the individual. Really. You know, I, I I said on another podcast somewhere I said like perfectionism is a behavioral adaptation to insecurity. Mm-hmm. right but the insecurity itself is a loser it's a lie that there's something inadequate about me so therefore i developed this need for perfectionism as a compensation but again it's like the house on sand the behavioral adaptation regardless of how immaculate my house is or how perfect my body is or whatever it is that i'm using as my form of you know charade it doesn't matter because it's being driven by the underlying sense of inadequacy in the first place which itself is made up yeah, and that's why it can only be an approximation. Yeah, because you can't overcome something that itself is based in linguistics. It's just a commentary
0: or a narrative that you have about yourself that itself is untrue. I think one of the really interesting, uh, you know, practices that have developed is the idea of the Zen koan. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, this thing that kind of boggles the mind and doesn't yeah. make sense, and then yeah. pr- and it just shows how with logical thinking, there's a fallacy. And here's one of my favorite ones. So imagine an archer shooting an arrow towards a target. Mm -hmm. You divide, let's say you go half the distance to the target. Okay. Well, half the distance to the target takes a certain finite amount of time okay right so it takes a certain amount of time to get there you mean to get there okay yeah so there's time time and distance are being measured okay okay then you go halfway more towards the target yeah that takes a certain amount of time right you go halfway more towards the target yeah yeah, that takes a certain amount of time yeah you can keep going halfway yeah halfway halfway each requiring a certain amount of time to go halfway yeah so if there's an infinite amount of half ways that require an infinite amount of time to reach halfway then the arrow should never hit the target yeah exactly because it has to go it has to go a distance and that distance requires time and if you go half that and you go half that half that yeah but guess what the arrow hits the fucking target you know what i mean so and i think then in the in the practice you think about these things you're like huh and then you realize that there's a truth that's beyond that. Well, the arrow hits the target. And so we can like go, well, there's all of these stories and all of these things, but actually love is just love and it's who we are, just yeah. like the arrow hits the target. And no matter how much we think about these other things, they may not make sense. Right. But in, ac- in actuality, it's true. But it's beautiful. If you really think, because I'd never heard of that particular
1: coin. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what we were just speaking to, which is the approximation. And again, whatever the word is, and obviously one of your viewers, someone will know what it is, where the line never actually touches the axis, because based on at least what you proposed or what you're telling me, if you're always dividing by two, which is basically what you're Mm -hmm. doing, you never actually touch. Yeah. Right. And I might get to this nano, like (laughs) millimeter distance, but it's a a perpetual, it's the expression I use is the mountain without a top. Uh Uh-huh. And someone says, oh, I'm gonna help you realize your potential. And first, I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? Like it's a common expression, but I hope I never realize my potential. Yeah. Because what that implies is the fact that my potential realization is eternal. Right. Yeah. And that's a beautiful because then there's there's no, there's no finite destination, which again, I think a lot of people collapse with being human as though like I'm gonna get there. Like even people say it, like I'm getting there. I'm like, where the hell are you getting to? Right. First of all, what you're showing me is you're not where you are. Yeah, The getting is the there. <laughs> it's just, it it is an eternal process of unveiling what it means to be human, to go right back to how you started this conversation, right? Which is the capacity of what it means to be human is something that to me is infinite. And that's the beauty of the game. Because if there was really a destination, I think this game would be kind of boring.
0: So as you can tell in this podcast with Peter Krohn, you're learning a lot about myself. I'm learning a lot about myself. I'll tell you a little bit more about myself as well. There's a couple things I love. One, I love when I'm in nutritional ketosis. I have more energy than in any other state that I can be in, like no matter what other supplements I take or no matter what other things that I do, when I'm actually in a state of ketosis, I have more energy and mental clarity than in any other state that I can get in. So this whole keto fad is not only just good macronutrient profiles, it's good for metabolic health, it's also good for making you feel awesome. There's another thing, I love cookies. Like I love things that taste good. I've loved cookies since, I don't know how early I started loving cookies. Like from the drop, I started loving cookies. So as this keto movement has progressed, there's been a couple companies that have emerged that are making keto friendly cookies that actually taste awesome. And the problem with a lot of these keto snacks and keto cookies is they have this really strong like xylitol, menthol kind of taste that kind of sticks around in your mouth, so it doesn't really taste like a cookie. But Fat Snacks has done an amazing job, not only with their cookies, but their blondies and their brownies, of making absolutely rock-solid, nutritional, keto-friendly cookies and blondies and brownies, but making them taste awesome. I blend them in my shakes, and basically what I do is I make a shake, and then I pulse in the cookies, and it's like I have my own like keto DQ that's available to me at the Onyx Cafe or at my own house, and it's just become a staple in my diet. So I'm super excited to share this with you guys. It's called fatsnacks, F-A-T-S-N-A-X.com, and then if you use slash Aubrey, so fatsnacks.com slash Aubrey, you'll save 10%. And you guys can try out the sample pack. I like the chocolate chip cookies a lot. And the brownies and blondies are awesome as well. But explore around. They got a lot of great flavors. And just the food is awesome. And it's super high fat. And it's going to be really good for your diet, whether you're going for nutritional ketosis or not. It's just something that you can eat with no guilt. And you're going to love it. So fatsnacks.com slash Aubrey and save yourself 10%. Thanks so much. The, and and you know what i mean i actually do believe there is a destination but that destination is the unicity mm-hmm. of everything yeah. and infinity all time all experience all thing it's it's the place of mm-hmm. unicity prior to differentiation i like to think of it like let's say at the moment of the big bang mm-hmm. right To to bring in some form of cosmology here yeah. right the moment of the big bang all potentiality is compressed into the size of the end of a pen or maybe a thumbnail or whatever nobody really knows how small it is but yeah. it's pure energy the same energy quantum potentiality homogenized mm-hmm. into one thing let's imagine that that as above so below yeah let's imagine that that is a representation of the divine yeah of just one substance of pure potentiality which has not been differentiated that contains all aspects of all expressions yeah okay maybe that is the end point mm-hmm. and maybe as the universe expands and contracts we will get back to the end point of unicity where we realize ourselves it's not ourselves anymore we realize that it's just god mm-hmm. there's only one word right uh but we're people mm-hmm. we're people we're not that may be the end point maybe in some infinite level hypothesizing that everything is going to collapse back and maybe we carry a little spark of that
1: yeah. within us
0: you yeah. know what someone would call the monad or that divine spark and there's a little piece of that in an octave of a, of our expression yeah but we're also physical beings spiritual beings mm-hmm. that are not that and that's what makes the game beautiful and fun right. and allows us to go like hey, what's up? Like, right. you know what you can't do as God? You can't give a fucking high five. Right. You can't like kiss somebody. Mm-hmm. You can't dance. You can't taste yeah. a donut. Right. You got no mouth and right. you got no donut. You right. know, they're the same fucking thing. <laughs> you know, it's so like, what game are we trying to, this is the perfect game. Yeah, yeah. Get, like everything articulates and manifests in its own unique way. And then, yeah, all right, if there is an endpoint it's the complete collapse of everything that makes the game fun anyways yeah so exactly what you're saying is right you know that even if there is an endpoint, it's just the surrender of every bit of your identity and every bit of every aspect that makes life fun and so what happens when if you were in that position you'd be like well, fucking hurry up and bang again, mm. so that so that we can create all these worlds and all these people, so we can get fucking lost again. That
1: was going to be my point, right? Like, here we are talking about unicity and donuts. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. But really,
1: I would propose, or at least as a question in this discourse with you, is like, I get the because this is my work. If we bring it back to everyday humans who are struggling and really hurt out there. Like, I always want to have compassion for that because we can sit here in the comfort of this conversation, and people are like, yeah, but. How the fuck does that relate to me paying rent this morning? <laughs> <laughs> like, what am I gonna show up with donuts? <laughs> so you I never think, know. <laughs> you yeah, never know. Landline, donuts <laughs> donuts are pretty good. Learn, landlord might have a pension for like <laughs> crispy creams. Yeah. Um, no, so f- for I like the idea. Listen, I'm all about the unity and the unicity and that is you could say one iteration of a collapse but then you just spoke to it right which is okay but is that really the end or is that just the world of cause and effect right i'll often say i believe in cause and effect i just don't know which comes first right so meaning that process of karma in the evolution of whether you want to watch The Matrix and they'd recognize these different, The Architects, you know, I'm sure you've seen those mm-hmm. movies, like The Architect is making this particular rendition of The Matrix and then this this episode of The Matrix or whatever he says to Neo at mm-hmm. the end, you know, humans, I try to make everyone happy and then, you know, then when you came back and we did. there's this constant iteration of a new dimension for us to explore. So, that's really what I'm speaking to. I don't think there's an end game. I'd like to live within that construct. But are there experiences of what seems like some sort of completion along the way for sure you know yeah. and in the the very individualized human experience when i'm working with somebody is there the collapse of their feelings of inadequacy that they can correlate to that moment in their childhood where they felt like they weren't loved or they weren't enough is that a form of completion for sure is it profound immensely is it liberating 100 percent. and it's the beginning of a new dimension yeah which is now i'm no longer in survival I've collapsed into my unity and my true nature of love and peace. And from there, I get to play a different game now, which might look like I don't have anxiety, or it might look like I'm gonna influence a community in a way that previously I couldn't because I was too too busy trying to be sort of accepted by that community, yeah. right? So I think it's like playing a video game that has, again, no quote-unquote end, but there's multiple layers and levels that you keep working through. That that's the game I love to play. I think as a species, we're pretty uh, infantile in that process <laughs> right sure. now. The fact that people can't stand their neighbor and they still want to make people wrong for cutting them off in traffic. It's like really is is that as far as we've come you know, and, you know the it is, judgment it's just yeah. it's uh, it's very uninvolved
0: but no judgment of the judgment. Uh, no judgment <laughs>
1: no judgment of people judging
0: you look at the you look at the ones who we would you know ascribe to them and whether they ascribe to it on the, their own but mm-hmm. we ascribe to them the title of enlightenment so you can take a, an ancient example example of christ mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. presuming that the stories about him i'm sure as as we were talking about before this conversation you know many of them have been bastardized and utilized for a variety of different purposes but if you actually read the story of of jesus before the night of his crucifixion crucifixion before the day of his crucifixion he was weeping and praying right and and deeply having to reconcile he's already jesus right like understand like this isn't like ah he was almost jesus like then no this is full jesus right you're like you're full jesus at this point yeah i mean maybe not like maybe oh you can say that it was only at the moment of crucifixion he reached his ultimate whatever whatever yeah yeah, but regardless it's jesus and it's the night before he's being crucified and you read this the historical whatever historical whatever was written about and he's crying and praying and talking to god right and saying like like basically like for real like i got (laughs) like for real i gotta do this (laughs) Yeah. And and that's like I think a beautiful story that we don't you know that we don't really pay attention to because we want to idolize this thing as oh it's, yeah it's perfect yeah he was yeah, just yeah, in yeah, perfect yeah, yeah. surrender no he was uh, you know weeping and crying and praying like yeah Are you sure? and then eventually he found uh, that place of acceptance and peace and it yeah. was like okay cool but yeah. then even when he was carrying the cross it yeah. wasn't like he was boldly strolling right. with this, this. <laughs> cross i got this <laughs> yeah. he's carrying the cross and he's collapsing and yeah. falling yeah and like collapsing in sweat because his body can't even handle like yeah. this idea of this perfect being who's just holding the cross and yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. and like smiling the whole way because yeah he was still working through the human shit yeah and when i talked to ragu marcus who is you knew who knew majoraji and knows ramdas quite well okay and i asked him because ramdas seems like a closest approximation of someone that i've found that's reached a certain state of enlightenment yeah in this life i was like how is it being around him does he still have the human stuff come up and Raga, without hesitation was like yeah for sure yeah yeah for sure no. for sure he's still got the human stuff so that's beautiful to me because then we're seeing the best in what maya and again this is a judgment it's a positive judgment so regardless it's still a judgment but in my mind judging the best of us if, yeah. I, if you judge the best of us and say oh yeah the best of us yeah yeah are still struggling and they yeah, still yeah. have human shit come up yeah, yeah. they've just figured they figured a lot of stuff out and yeah. they're pretty good with you know a lot of things that a lot of people wouldn't be but even jesus or even ramdas like yeah. they still got the human shit they're still on their own journey literally and figuratively
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um no i mean and i would say what you're speaking to is my work yeah That is, because most experts, you go and see a specialist of some description, whether it be a spiritual teacher, an astrologer, a life coach, a therapist, a psychiatrist, they're trying to help the person, which seems so well-intended. Oh, you have anxiety. I have my sort of litany of methods of solving anxiety. If you have financial problems, you see a financial specialist. And so we we appeal to someone's problems with all the best intentions in the world. But as it comes, as it sort of, Relates to these deep feelings of inadequacy, like the human part that we're talking to here, which really to me is the precursor to suffering. For me, the real game, and you just articulated beautifully about Jesus, is it's not about the reconciliation of that. It's not about the perfection of it. To me, it's about the integration of it. Mm -hmm. Real love isn't about honoring that which is personified in this articulate, elegant, perfect way. Real love is embracing all that which is equally imperfect. Yeah. And that's what I believe we're all learning is in lay terms to embrace our our humanity, flaws and all, rather than playing the game of I'm going to hide my flaws because I believe that's how I'm going to get loved. It's completely the opposite. And why when I speak to people about relationships, relationships don't work mm. because From your first date through usually certainly the first few months, what are you presenting? Those attributes of yourself, which are your most attractive. Makes total sense. But you're denying the fact that the beauty of relating to another human being is not in that which is your ambassador, but rather that which makes you human. Yeah. And that's where I would love people to find more acceptance for one another is with your flaws. And again, it doesn't mean that we have to advocate for flaws, it's just as real as your. Assets, you know, yeah, it's, it's great. not it's not the manufacturing of flaws. No, no. to oh, look, look how imperfect I am. Love me more. That would be another form of manipulation. <laughs> that would be another right. manipulation. <laughs> no. Don't
0: worry, we all got plenty. Yeah, you, you, don't, know, have, you that's don't need why, to create some. You that's know, like, why I use
1: the quote: "Like, please never become perfect. You'll have no one to relate to." Yeah, and so love, if you really understand that the actual. The energetics of love, not the romantic connotation or, you know, you complete me, uh, all of that, hollow celluloid and Hollywood's interpretation of love. But really, love is the container for it all. So, love is sufficiently vast that it makes space for that which is also seemingly unlovable because it's not as attractive. That is, I feel, the container we're in that we're all develop- developing true
0: love in the aspect that it can embrace everything what's what comes up that's interesting to me is like all right great yeah you get that yeah right but then you're trying to go out on a date you know mm-hmm. what i mean and like if you if you <clears throat> deny if it just seems like there's a, there's a pragmatism yeah to playing the game yeah which is presenting your best side which can actually then yield a relationship which might allow you the intimacy to surrender all of your illusions and surrender yeah. your avatar and actually show the vulnerability but if you come yeah. out of the gate like that yeah. you're pre-selecting for a very small minority of people who can actually see and appreciate that Absolutely. which may be the right move but it may not be the right move because most people in that new relationship yeah. they want to practice some form of idolatry with you yeah which is to see you in a perfect in as close to a perfect way as they possibly can yeah, yeah because yeah. if they can see you close to perfect they can love you close to perfect and that's why you fall in love because it's like this person's fucking perfect yeah yeah yeah. you yeah. know and then it creates that but then of course with that comes then the disappointment and then the last <laughs> impression like it yeah. sets you up for the fall <laughs> yeah, yeah, at the same time but yeah. it's like it's a weird thing of like can you come out of the gate yeah. with that blistering vulnerability and truth yeah or are you just going to be like well there goes another first date that fucking didn't go so well or there goes another business meeting yeah, that yeah. didn't so there's this interesting tension between recognizing and i'd love to get your opinion on like how yeah. you reconcile it because it's interesting tension between playing the game playing chess yeah 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 yeah, and just being in truth like chogam trumpa says like a person's decency is the absence of strategy,
1: mm-hmm. you know, yeah. right? Which is the same as I'm saying in terms of love doesn't have an agenda, right? No Different agenda. words, but same energy. Exactly. Same energy. Yeah.
0: But then, but we, we want stuff. Like we want, we want to be yeah, able but to. But the wanting, wanting
1: is an energy based uh-huh. in time, which can only be generated from an idea that I'm an individual, that I don't have something. Think about the energy of wanting. Yeah. You know, I can only want yeah. something if I'm under the uh, impression that I don't have. I don't want that which I have. I only want that which I don't have. So now you create stress because you're stretching time. You're also under the impression that I'm lacking something. And there's different forms of desire. I break it down into reactive and creative. And But wanting for the most part is the, I'm looking to dissolve the dissolution of my own disease. I'm under the impression I wanna be in shape. Why? Because I hate the fact that I'm overweight, mm-hmm. right? So it's a reaction to something. So in the whole, what you just proposed, the whole dating thing, there's a hierarchy, right? To somebody's evolution. So playing the game isn't even the person's choice. This is all totally conditioned. It's unconscious. Somebody who's going on a date right now, which there'll be in the millions around the planet, right? I would assert that every single one on a date right now is purely functioning from the degree to which they're awake. And there's no judgment on that. That's why this dimension of planet earth is phenomenal because you will always get the cast of characters and circumstances that are absolutely inextricably connected to what you need to learn, (laughs) which is really beautiful when you get it Mm -hmm. because that person on their date is sweating and nervous And they're fighting against the fact that they just got divorced and they're worried that they're never going to be loved by anyone again. The other person is super confident because they're like in a place in their life where they feel good about their career and maybe they just got some good news about blah, 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 and they were sick and now they're not. So they have a different air of confidence about them. But then being met with the person and the circumstances to reveal where are you not free yet? And that to me is the real game. That's the game I love inviting people to see. It's not about manipulating circumstance. It's about realizing where does circumstance and people reveal where I'm
0: still constrained. Damn. It's (laughs) tough though, you know, man? Like, yeah, you're, I I absolutely agree with, and actually dating is kind of, it's, it's actually a place where it's pretty easy to resolve that. Mm -hmm. I think actually more so but think of something having more to do with the business okay like let's look let's be let's be you know let's talk about me you know i have a company it has 190 employees i love those employees i love that right yeah business business in to some degree requires strategy yeah you know and Mm -hmm. and we try to operate with the highest integrity that we can awesome but nonetheless it is a game of multi-dimensional chess, okay you know where you're like not necessarily much. Multi- it's actually one dimensional chess. It's like moving cash flow and and doing these different things and launching you know the Black Friday sale and all of the all of the things that you got you had to like yeah. play all of this chess. yeah, 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 which then can create, I guess some kind of tension which in mm-hmm. in essence you just want to be yeah. and be like, here is everything yeah and if you like it great and we and I try to do that as much as I can but yeah. it feels like there's a necessity to just play business chess yeah or play some kind of some kind of game yeah but that also is a place where I'm not free completely yes which is beautiful because that's an
1: opportunity for growth and it's wonderful that you can declare that because a lot of people can't yeah. So, it's very
0: so then, so then you have to you have to really be willing to surrender a lot, yeah, to actually actualize freedom, but you may you have to be willing to surrender, but you may not actually surrender anything, so can I just make
1: a little reflection please say that whole thing, but instead of saying you say i, i huh so you said I, that I, you have to be willing to surrender, so now say the yeah. whole thing it will have a different resonance in your body, particularly
0: <laughs> <laughs> i have to be willing i have to be willing to surrender mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. i have to be willing to surrender everything yeah but i may not actually surrender anything yeah so now how does that feel just first of all the first part of that sentence it feels like it feels like the call to the hero inside me the call to the one Beautiful. who i've always wanted to, to be like being willing, I have to be, I have to be willing to surrender everything in the knowing that I may not surrender anything at all. I may actually get more, it's, it's all very possible, but I have to be willing. I can't even worry about the next part of that. I just, I have to be willing to surrender everything and then, and then have trust and faith that whatever happens on the other side. Amazing. I reach an acceptance. So now what's the ultimate surrender in
1: that statement? I have to be willing to surrender everything. Where is surrendering the the I? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we had to go from you, which is self-protective, and the way that people speak—not wrong, but it's a way of generalizing. You have no responsibility in the general. To I, which brings it to personification, to Uh. them, the ultimate—the ultimate reconciliation is the liberation of self from the idea that there's a me that has to do anything
0: (laughs) you don't even need ayahuasca for this (laughs) yeah man i mean that's that's it that's you're really you're really into the thing and and the thing is the surrender of identity Mm -hmm. is the scariest thing because there's the identity itself is it's almost like an entity that's fighting for its own survival i would drop the almost it is an entity fighting for its survival yeah Yeah. and and so if you think of ourselves as the unborn undying version of ourselves which Mm -hmm. is connected to all things Mm -hmm. which has no lack which the the essence of that thing is love itself yes right which is who we truly are yes then there's the mind and the ego and the identity construct whatever words you want to say you know call that yeah the identity construct is like an entity that wants to survive as the prerogative of all entities that exist Mm -hmm. is a prerogative for survival and reproduction yes so that entity wants to survive, which forms the resistance to the surrender of itself which is in a way it's graceful death yeah beautifully articulated so now where is that entity within aubrey it is it's aubrey (laughs) you know like it's it's the the very name itself yes aubrey aubrey is an articulation of a current temporal version of the unborn and dying essence yeah that has probably carried many names and i don't want to make metaphysical claims as if they're fact, but like i believe that it's carried many names and will carry many names and this is one articulation of this in physical form that has tattoos and a you know big jewish nose and you know all the things that i have you know (laughs) like that aubrey that aubrey is is the thing that's fighting to stay to stay relevant to stay alive to stay just to keep its identity form beautiful so now if we were to bring the rubber
1: to the road in the company with hundred and ninety employees that I totally get you love and we look at all of that construct through the lens of the eye that is Aubrey what would be one of the characteristics that has him think there is something to sur- to survive what would be one of the concerns
0: I think it's this idea, I think I have a fear that I'm going to let people down. Amazing. And I would see that 100%.
1: And that would be the first thing that I would bring to the surface for you. Yeah. So that's why I said I get how much you love those people. Mm Mm-hmm. But I want you to consider, so let's just play in that construct of thinking that I might let someone down, which we could reverse engineer to childhood, I'm sure. And perhaps, you know, mm-hmm. you gave me enough clues with the way you spoke about your mom versus your dad mm-hmm. and the feminine lineage and your grandma on your arm. But mm-hmm. there's something there where there's a disconnect in terms of unity. Mm-hmm. So now if we look at that kid who doesn't want to let someone down, which now is manifesting as a man in his business with beautiful 190 people that he cares about. What's the experience living in that construct of the possibility that you could let someone down? How does fear. that fear? What else?
0: Anxiety, which yeah. is a, a different manifestation of fear. Yes, bedfellow, but yeah, yeah. subtly totally different. Um, and constraint, honestly. Yeah. To a certain degree, I don't think the thing is like my worry about it is actually probably preventing me from and i'm using words like probably but it is preventing me from actually reaching the potential of what i'm able to offer and how i'm able to serve those people that i love which is why i'm offering this to you now and you're very articulate in the way that you
1: caught you know i told you to get rid of the almost and now you got rid of the probability by yourself Mm -hmm. or probably so that's beautiful so it is it is a complete obstacle and a complete constraint to the love that you are that I'm sure your employees even feel sure but it's it's that veil that stops you actually actualizing and realizing what you're intending to do from the perspective of the eye right which is that as we said that quintessentially getting closer to the target with the <laughs> archer but can never quite get there so where are you happy to talk about an event where you could feel you let someone down does anything come to mind and again obviously the further back you can go the better. well
0: i mean i there's a million times i can think about letting someone down. okay happy to share one it would be very yeah. helpful you know one let's say so sports were of a were probably the primary place where i was getting the yeah. majority of my validation and the majority yeah. like that i got yeah. a sense of self-importance through Amazing. sports far before yeah. i got anything else so there was times where I would play a bad game and we would lose and that yeah. would be in any variety of young basketball mm. ages the one that the one that's haunted me for a long time I didn't have a great relationship with my coach okay but we were playing in a playoff game yeah. and i was li- i was giving everything i could yeah, yeah, yeah but the coach had something against me you know yeah. he was like i was always the california guy because i moved in from california and he just mm-hmm. didn't like me for whatever reason even though i was the leading scorer on the team and i was yeah, getting yeah. the honors and he we were we were up by we were up by one yeah with like 20 seconds left yeah and he pulled me out of the game this is in high school and we had a ton of people in the stands and this is my junior year in high school how old were you senior year maybe even so you're like Uh, 17 17. okay and um he pulls me out of the game Mm -hmm. with 20 seconds left to bring in somebody who hadn't played yeah who he thought was a defensive specialist of some sort yeah but i've been guarding this guy who is their best player for like the whole game. Yeah. And I was fucking like, I was giving my heart. Like I was in yeah. it. and he pulled me out of the game, subbed me out, and then the guy that I was guarding scored and we lost the game and it was the end of the season. And I just let him, I just let him I mm-hmm. let him pull me out. Like and I yeah. I thought about that moment. I was like, I should have been like, no fucking way. Like yeah. do not take me out of this game. Like I got this. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know? And yeah. so I feel like even though like because you'll you'll miss shots you know of course i missed shots yeah yeah but at least i shot them and you know that's some you know you can be mad oh i missed the shot well okay whatever you know like i did my fucking best but the fact that i didn't step up and say like no coach like leave me in i got this yeah and at least and if he took me out after i did that yeah then i would have been like look i did my best but the fact that i didn't put up any resistance i was like immediately hurt and like oh yeah okay i'll 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 sit down at the end of the game that i've been sweating and bleeding for yeah i felt like i let my team down i felt like i let my school down i felt like i let my family down i felt like i let everybody down and it's haunted me like it's haunted me for a long time that's probably like an early example it's beautiful and
1: you know not to preempt the future i think it's beautiful it's coming up in this conversation because not only is i my intention is this is going to be so powerful for you but also the people that you know love you and follow this so i'm using this as access to something very powerful right so mm-hmm. the idea of 190 employees and you don't want to let people down we can reverse engineer that to an experience when you're 17 you're giving your heart which i would assert is what you do every day mm-hmm. and oftentimes as a reaction to the fact that it still haunts you right so it's uh the term i use is past hurt informs future fear so the fact that you've had an event that you felt like you'd let your teammate down you let your you know the the viewers down your family down
0: and it was my world yes it was my school it was my family my best friends were my teammates yeah you know it was it was i let my world my world down yeah at that point i mean obviously it's a microcosm of the grand world but at that point it was the world i want you to consider
1: that so you're 17 what happened is the coach pulled you out put another kid in and then the guy you were guarding scored that's what happened right that's the reality of it I I use the expression, life will present you with people and circumstances to reveal where you're not free. So at that moment, it had nothing to do with the coach, but it was part of the karma of your soul's journey on this planet was to reveal where you weren't free, right? In this case, we could argue the lack of freedom was in self-expression, that you wanted, no, I'm going to stay in the game. But what I hear more than anything, which is, I hope, going to give you so much freedom, is what you weren't allowing for was your humanity, Mm -hmm. right? Meaning that, you were 17, you responded in a way that was totally appropriate to who you were at that moment, right? Yeah. Now, you've grown, you've matured, you've obviously super articulate and educated, you've studied. So you could look back in hindsight and go, oh, I should have done this. But when we should all over ourselves, what we're actually denying is our own path, our own history. Yeah. Because again, what happened at that moment couldn't have happened any other way. Why? Because it didn't.
0: (laughs) Yeah absolutely one of my man. favorite quotes that absolutely
1: I, use. I love that as well i right. tell that to people too right yeah. but i want you to embrace it right because there's yeah. a lot here yeah. for you you got a massive heart right you're like really like you're you're so giving you're so loving but there's a little veil that is the eye That hopefully here we can chip away a little bit of surrender who cares so much. It's behind your eyes. You can see it. You can feel it. That is a kid who felt that it was incumbent upon him to not let people down. And that's way too much pressure for any human being to carry. And it is the obstacle to you actually sharing the immense amount of love that you have, that you know you have. It keeps you up at night. It creates anxiety. And it is an obstacle to you truly being free and having an even bigger impact than you currently do, right? Right. So if we look at that 17-year-old, do you have kids? No. No. But I know you'd be an exquisite father, right? And what I mean is if that kid came home and you'd witnessed that because you are in the stands and you saw what happened, maybe as a dad you would have been frustrated. But what would have been your real response to your son? This is beautiful. Thank you for letting me go here with you. What would you have, as a father, what would have been the energetics you would have brought to that kid if you were to put in one or two words? I mean,
0: <clears throat> just... It would have probably been even even a wordless just uh yeah just a hug. what, would, what would we've seen yeah you uh-huh. know it would have been a, it would have been a hug it would have been an expression of love and uh i probably would have acknowledged like man that was some bullshit. you would have had him yeah you know like i like I, I i mean i wish she would have believed in you because i, I believe in you yeah you know and, and, and like and um <clears throat> but it wouldn't have been judgment no no it would have been no judgment in how i would have i would have responded to my son
1: beautiful and what has been the energy you've had of that moment for
0: lots of judgment
1: lot of judgment right so now just because you referenced this earlier when jesus is stumbling with his cross i would assert what we've just revealed is your equivalent yeah so the only difference is and you articulated it beautifully is jesus was okay with it because he was loving of his humanity mm-hmm. and here's a 17 year old kid who i could just see bust his ass gives his all way beyond what is expected because he cares so much and he carries so much weight of responsibility because he's an athlete he's talented maybe the mvp and that's a lot of weight but what you didn't make space for was the fact that you're also human Mm. and you're 17. (laughs) yeah and there's 190 people right now who are probably listening in tears because they love you in the face
0: of you not always being the all-star yeah yeah man that's it i mean i think that's the that's the crux of it
1: so now if we really want to just to wrap this up like not the conversation i hope but at least this component is if i were to cut you open and say you know aubrey marcus born in santa monica looking for this manufacturing label and it says he can let people down am i going to find anything like that inside of you (laughs)
0: yes or no i yes okay as an actual manufacturing label the, no, listen carefully right no, okay no. i've 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 added that label myself
1: great so i'm gonna ask again yes or no if i cut you open am i gonna find a manufacturing label that says Aubrey marcus born in santa monica he can let people down Not if you go deep enough
0: right yeah you, know, you gotta yeah. if you cut through like some a couple layers of skin deep you yeah. know and maybe i've planted that there but okay. I planted that there myself, because, if but if you keep cutting, <clears throat> yeah, that's not a reality. No. It's, that's not it, a reality. I'm going to give you a subtle distinction. It's a
1: reality because it defines you in the fact that you have emotions. It defines you in the fact that you've been concerned about it. It defines you in the, in the fact that you felt it shouldn't have happened. That's a reality. It will mm-hmm. affect your physiology. It will create the cascade of sympathetic nervous response, all of that. It's just not a truth.
0: It's just not a truth, yeah.
1: yeah. And that's a big distinction. So now, to take you to the other side, in that space we see the frustration, the disappointment, the the guilt, the judgment. If it's not a truth, because we just declare that it's not, yeah. you're not gonna find that, it's a conversation. And what is an... true
0: is always true. That's one of the great spiritual teachings that I great. have. So yes. it's not always true that I can let people down. I've created Perfect. that, so it's temporal, so it's not true.
1: Great, so now in the absence of that, if it's impossible, like impossible <laughs> for you to let people down, <laughs> what becomes available and we're seeing it on your face what becomes available for you as a being in the absence of the belief that you can let people down i'm free like really feel that you have so much love to give buddy and there's so many people without even knowing who they are who just adore you that there's that subtle veil that now gets to be dropped and that's true intimacy you get to really connect with people in a way that you do try and i'm going to give you moments you do for sure connect with people but in the absence of the identity of a you that let people down and that is dissolved there is just pure connection and that is the access
0: to the whole gamut of what it means to be human yeah i mean that's i think you've cut to the i think one of the reasons why i'm emotional is <clears throat> you've actually cut to the i think the greatest fear the greatest fear that i have yeah it's the thing that's the been the most constricting because <clears throat> it's not when i look at my fears it's not fear of death it's no. not fear of all these other things you know it even yeah. it used to be fear of pain and suffering and of course i have preferences and i do want to talk to you about preference sure after this just yeah. as a footnote but the my fear of letting people down. Yeah. Like I came here with the potential to do something great and yeah. I could let, I could fail that potential and I could let people down. Yeah. Is is my deepest fear. I get it. And I see it and that's why I'm so privileged, like really privileged to be in this space
1: with you right now and help you to access that because you have so much to offer, you already do, but it is such a fraction of what you're here to do for people. It's really It's such an honor to help you to just get beyond that such a thin veil, which is just a conversation. It's just a narrative. And I would assert it, it belongs, it lives in a bigger construct that you think you can even do anything wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Yeah, man. In the absence of thinking you can do something wrong, you access something that is so (sighs) potent in your ability to make a difference for people because you're not in a world of self-judgment. Yeah. Beautiful, thank you, thank you. Wow,
0: thank you. Wasn't expecting that. <laughs> no, well,
1: that's the best way to surprise someone. <laughs> <laughs> Occupational hazard. <laughs> yeah. uh, all how right, you just just to check in, like, how do you feel? Can you feel a difference in your body? Oh, totally. Like a little totally. lighter, a little 100%. softer. Yeah,
0: one hundred percent. I Amazing. mean, like a part of me is like a part of me is busy right now, being like don't forget this motherfucker. Like, you hey, he got we, my number. Remember, yeah, remember. That's what we were saying earlier at the kitchen table. You're like, I often have to remind people a lot of times, Yeah, you know, cause we'll forget. Yeah. And, and uh, so good i'm glad yeah we're we're, we're bound for life yeah you know just just to have this
1: experience which is so intimate you know um it's such a privilege i really mean it to be able to help somebody to just transcend old limiting beliefs of themselves which aren't truths you know they're just uh, something that you've lived within as a container but uh, again you can't get outside of a container that you couldn't see yeah
0: So if you guys have listened to a lot of my podcasts or listened to the Aubrey Marcus Books podcast You'll know that the fifth sacred thing is absolutely one of my favorite books And in that fictional story, there's the heroine of the story whose name is madrone And she receives special powers from communing with bees And these powers help her become a better healer Now this is all fiction, of course But in reality, it points to a truth that a lot of the things that bees make are absolutely essential to human healing and maybe not essential in the case that we won't survive without them but they're absolutely helpful i've been taking b products for athletics for cognitive performance for just overall general health since i was young since i was a teen hooping and playing basketball for westlake high school i've been taking bee pollen and taking propolis and taking a lot of these things and i haven't seen a company come along to do it better with a wide range of products until beekeepers naturals came out with pretty much everything that you could be looking for to harvest the healing and nutritional power that bees have provided now whether that's you're just getting the best honey or whether you're getting the propolis or whether you're getting the bee pollen, or whatever it is, the royal jelly, all of these things have all kinds of benefits from the enzymes, from the vitamins, from all kinds of the nutrients that you'll find in there. And Beekeepers Naturals just does it the best, flat out the absolute best. So if you don't know about what bees can do, like this is a great opportunity to check it out. It's like a whole different category. It's like mushrooms have exploded onto the scene. Well, bees should also be in that same category of like this is a vertical of medicine and nutrition that you should really be paying attention to so definitely check it out go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash aubrey that's b as in the bumblebee b-e-e keepers naturals dot com slash Aubrey and you're gonna get fifteen percent off and you can explore and try these awesome products. So thanks for supporting the podcast as always. Thanks for supporting the bees and thanks for helping yourself live the most optimized life you can. Once again beekeepersnaturals dot com slash Aubrey. All right I want to go into preference because okay. I think preference is something that's also is keeping me <clears throat> <clears throat> and the preference i'm going to take it to the base level of pleasure is preferable over pain say again p- pleasure, pleasure is preferable, is preferable, preferable over okay. pain got it got it right so and there's uh <clears throat> so in that world there's going to be desire for pleasure yeah aversion to pain yes the human body is designed for that yes right um one other limitation i believe on freedom comes from that preference Mm -hmm. into a certain degree now um i guess where i guess where i'm going is like the preference to (laughs) but that the pleasures the pleasures that i'm actually thinking about yeah are more on the what you would call addictions yes because they approximate the real pleasure of simple of simple existence yes and and acceptance but pleasures of sex pleasures of being able to travel to a beautiful vacation spot the pleasure of even being able to give somebody even if it's more altruistic like give somebody a great gift and like watch them light up because i bought them something that they could have never bought for themselves like yeah yeah there's a lot of pleasures that are associated with certain successes mm. or certain things and in some in some way i think that also you know it also keeps me kind of restricted in a way that i work that if i completely let go yeah then i might not i might have to let go of some of these pleasures too like yeah i might let go it might not work i might the business might not work i might yeah. not have money or the yeah you know the relationships might not work i might not be able to have sex yeah you know like all of, i don't think that that's that's necessarily true no but i'm just i know that that's that's a fear yes that that the chess is a necessity mm-hmm. you know in the in the the doing and the strategy and all of this and the and that using self-judgment to keep me in line and judging what i'm doing and comparing it to what i could be doing and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah in yeah. order to get to an outcome that is pleasurable yes that at least enables me to have pleasures versus an outcome that is the at the very least, the absence of pleasure. Yeah, beautiful. So is there like a specific question?
1: Because see, first of all, I wanna just really acknowledge the fact that you are both psychologically, certainly emotionally, and energetically stepping into a new paradigm. So I would assert that even in the questioning of preference that you would have had before, what we just did is gonna have a subtle different meaning. It's different. Right, isn't it? So it's gonna take you a minute to reorient in this new dimension. So I think you're sort of answering your own question and you're so smart that you will with time. So pleasure in the way that you articulated it, and you even said this at the beginning, is often and invariably a reaction to displeasure. Mm-hmm. Right? It's I want something, as I said earlier, as a reaction to what I don't want. So I'm in pain, as in Buddhism they say you know, human, an, human existence is suffering. Mm. So if we're in suffering, we crave something to get out of suffering and enter the world of escapism what i feel you just stepped into and it's five minutes in so yeah. <laughs> you're still sort of infantile in this space of yeah. what freedom means is pleasure. well
0: listen man we have a podcast to do i can't fucking sit around here and, and let this integrate on the fucking porch swing here we gotta keep we gotta keep going so i would actually say there's nothing more powerful than we could sit here just in peace and people are like oh my god i'm oh, liberated wow. <laughs>
1: So from that place of freedom, pleasure takes on a completely different experience because it's actually a form of intimacy, really connecting with like you've eaten a mango before, I'm sure. Right. And maybe the mango was like, oh, this was a good mango. or This one was a little tart or whatever. But from the place of freedom where the veil of self-protection has dropped, there's a different taste sensation because you're more available to life. You're less guarded, right? Fight or flight which is I don't want to let anyone down in your case, or I don't want to do anything wrong is a much bigger catch-all for everyone. That has a barrier to connection. So pleasure that is never really fulfilling is because you're never actually fully connected. Right? Totally crass... Example, but powerful nonetheless is it's the difference between having sex with or without a condom, right? Mm -hmm. And what becomes available to you, Mm -hmm. right? There's absence of real pleasure and connection. And there's certainly the absence of creation, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: right? Yeah. So we basically took off the condom.
0: Yeah. (laughs) terrible example take off the condom to your orientation to life we're going going raw dog with life from this point (laughs) out right yeah we might might even impregnate life at this point We're, we're rolling the dice you've done a pretty good
1: job already but can imagine what you can now create like the essence of real creation in the absence of an obstacle or some sort of protection so that also redefines pleasure to me and personal preference because Mm -hmm. what most people seek as a form of pleasure as i said is a byproduct of what they're trying to get away from and that is very different to what are you
0: trying to work towards right right let's all right let's take this let's keep going to my let's try and continue to liberate me from my personal traps right when i think about when i think about money for yes. example yeah i have a i have a my spiritual what i call my <laughs> spiritual home is a place in sedona arizona okay beautiful. it's beautiful it's it's kind of an irreplaceable place it's surrounded on three sides by national forest at the foot of bear mountain you know horses it's it's a beautiful place that i've had some incredible transformative journeys you go out and you look up at the stars you hike the rocks and it's amazing and it's this place right and thank you for the invitation yeah (laughs) please come for real i mean i would love to have you there yeah um the idea that i wouldn't be able to you know keep that place yeah you know is like it make it would that thought would make me very sad got it 100% gone. You know that. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so it feels like that in and of itself constrains me to a world where I have to create enough wealth. Yes. that I can sustain something like that. Like I can think of a lot of other trivialities that yeah. like I mean I'm not a watch guy. I got a I got a Tesla and it's good <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I'm not trying to upgrade my Tesla, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah, 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 it's yeah, fucking yeah. fine. Like I'm good in a lot of things, <laughs> but if it came down to like oh man i gotta fucking sell my place in sedona like I've, i don't want to sell that at any point in my whole life like right. i want this yeah. i want that place forever and i don't think that's really a reality i think my fear is far it has a f- much more yes than the reality of that actually yeah it actually coming to that yeah but I think there is some part of me that I maybe use as a psychological trope to keep me in line. Yeah. Maybe the entity of identity is like, yeah. well, don't fucking, don't go too far on in letting stuff go here, bro, because yeah, 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 yeah. then you have to get rid of your Sedona place and you know yeah. how much you'd hate that, right? Yeah,
1: no, powerful, powerful. So what is the thing that we're looking to let go of here <laughs> is the illusion, because even the way you speak about it, it's the place in Sedona. It's the exogenous, the external association. Right? I mean, we've already popped you, right? Kansas has gone before. I see where you're going. Keep going. Keep going. Right. So you're under the impression (laughs) that Sedona represents My what you, yeah yeah right it's so quick once you get on the other side of the bs right yeah now i'm not denying that it's a beautiful place and that it has a certain energetic vortex that really is tangible right yeah. like you know if you stand in the middle of fifth avenue in new york you're going to have an experience which is a byproduct of the buzz and the concrete versus mm-hmm. you stand under the stars in sedona for sure but way more powerful than that is what we touched on. I don't say actually, tu- you know, beyond touched on. We dove into the experience of freedom that you just got sitting on a couch in Venice, California. Right now, I'm not saying that totally equates to your experience in Sedona, but I would say it is a reflection of the essence of what you're collapsing with the house in Sedona.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, what you really want, and more importantly, what you're scared of losing is the experience, which is internal, the essence of who you are, that gets generated once you're in the space of Sedona. You've just collapsed the two as though my experience is
0: isolated to that location. Mm. Now, I've, anchored, I've anchored an experience to a tangible place, Yes, but it's actually a place inside that I'm looking for. 100 percent now i'm not
1: denying that sedona was a beautiful catalyst to reveal that it's where people fall prey to the i'm in love with that person and now they become attached to that person so if that person goes now you suffer no that person was a beautiful reflection that revealed whether it's a person romantically it could be a child it could be a grandchild that revealed the essence of love that is your true nature And that gets to go with you everywhere. It is not located in another human being. And so just to finish, if you really get this, then whatever you experience at Sedona, I'm just inviting you to consider that can be your state wherever you go. And Mm -hmm. that cannot be lost.
0: Yeah, as, as you say that, I can imagine, you know, in this other world, you know, the reality of me not being able to buy a tent at rei in a backpack mm-hmm. and you know shit my friend mike posner just walked across the entire united states mm-hmm. you know and just kind of cruised around like i can imagine getting a tent and a good sleeping bag and going to the sequoias and you know sleeping yeah. under the giant trees and the giant stars and feeling something yeah exactly similar yeah to that state with minimal amount of resources required yes you know but it's about my internal state that that i have and and it also reminds me so for one i think remembering that that's an internal state and then recognizing that even if i do want to explore something external that's beautiful i don't need to own a house to do that because there's land available and there's a tent available and i can walk on my own feet yeah you know to get there that's one aspect But can you see how powerful that is to
1: disassociate? Totally, That's massive, right? Because I've never been to New Zealand, but I'm sure there's a spot there where I could go, oh my God, this place is amazing. And it would be, but it's not what is generating my experience of life. I'm doing that. And so once we recognize that, then I get to, you know, I tell people I'm in love and people are like, oh my God, that's so exciting. With who? I'm like, no, I'm in love. And if you really get that, it's so profound because it's like, I'm in the essence of what it is to be an expression of love. Mm -hmm. So you could say, I'm in Sedona, (laughs) (laughs) right? But really, what does that represent to you? What I hear is there's a tranquility, there's a sense of peace, there's a sense of unity, there's a sense of beauty, but you've collapsed through no fault of your own. It's unconscious, but collapse those experiences with a geography of that spot versus going no the geography revealed those essences within me yeah and so you bring peace you bring tranquility you bring stillness and beauty into your workplace which i'm sure you do but it could be in a different essence in a different more profound depth because now you're like oh hang on a minute i am what's bringing that experience to sedona now that becomes a really powerful way to live life because it doesn't matter where you go it's not associated with a person or a thing but rather it is the expression of who i am at my essence
0: one of the teachings that struck me from ramdas was that he talks about love you know being a state of being that we that we can realize mm-hmm. we can realize the state of love and what the thing we fall prey to is some person will allow us to engender that feeling, which is a feeling. And when mm-hmm. you're in love, the moment you're giving it, the moment you're receiving it, you're just rising to the state of love. Yes. But if you anchor that to a person, mm-hmm. then that person becomes your source of love, just like I anchored to Sedona, a source of equanimity, a source of spiritual expansion, yes. a source of all of these other things that you mentioned, I think yeah. very articulate. But you can do that with a person as well. Opposite. Oh, so this person allows me to feel love yes. this person's going away i'll never feel love again yes because you've lost g- something i've lost something because you've you anchored your yeah. sense of love to yeah. a person yeah. rather than just a state of being that's always available to you for which they were
1: very intricately involved they were the catalyst to reveal yeah. the essence of love that i am versus the illusion that they are the source of the love that i experience that's two entirely different worlds to live in So then we look at this dimension of planet earth, which is it's revealing who we are, both in our constraint and our essence, right? It reveals where I'm stuck. If I get pissed off at someone, that is a gift. I think it's equally, you know, the illusion, people like he pissed me off. No, 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 no. He said something, did something, and it revealed where you're scared. Yeah. Oh, I'm in love with them. No, 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 no. They revealed where you actually can (laughs) tap into the essence of love that you are right it's all just a game of hide and seek <laughs> it's just like let's get rid of the constraint and let's step into the freedom and joy and love
0: how where do you get fucked up i mean you understand this and you've also helped me understand this i've yeah. done a lot of journeying a lot of work and been with a lot of great teachers and yeah. in this conversation and i'm not pumping your tires but you've revealed things to me in a way that have been deeply profound and, and i'm yeah. you know forever grateful for this conversation that we've had but it makes me curious as someone who understands this well enough to take me through this process in a way that's so deeply profound obviously you've applied the same thing to yourself yes where do you still get fucked up where do you still where do you still find your contractions in yourself and and what is what's what goes on with you where are the where the little traps that you find because that might you know give me or anybody else like a little indication of like okay okay getting this getting this assimilating i gotta integrate this i gotta apply this but and and you've done some of that so so where are some of the future pitfalls down the road i mean the the direct and honest answer is i don't know right because certainly
1: as it relates to future i can talk about past experiences right
0: or 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 most most currently you know like
1: playing shitty tennis the other day (laughs) right but the difference is and this is like a distinct moment right because there's the as an athlete myself there is the expectation of how i know i can perform relative to what shows up on that day Uh which everyone can relate to whether it's you're an athlete or not it doesn't matter you're a mother and you you know shouted at your kid and you're like oh my gosh i'm a terrible mother. same thing right where there's some sense of self-judgment So I embrace my humanity. So why have I got to this place? Because what I was saying to you earlier is what was absent was you loving that 17-year-old knowing that he did the best he could. Mm -hmm. So I allow it all. Meaning if I get upset, which is actually an evolution for me because I didn't get upset for a long time because that was part of my identity looking good right because i'm like this guru and i'm changing people's lives and like where the where the hell is there room for me to be upset i'm supposed to be enlightened so actually the evolution for me was to start to get no that's fucking bullshit (laughs) (laughs) and to get upset and it was actually in that moment that there was so much joy because even if i'm playing tennis and i didn't play that very well relative to my standard i could have so much joy and like just Letting out this blood-curdling frustration. Because <laughs> now it becomes yeah. more childlike, uh-huh. right? And that's the distinction I make between feelings and emotions. I'm a sentient being. I'm still a, I'm a very, very sensitive man and I like that about myself. But now I have feelings, I no longer have emotions. Your emotional state relative to that 17-year-old story was based in guilt, shame, anger, frustration. These are all emotions. But the feeling at the time was sadness, disappointment. That's real. And mm. that's beautiful because it shows you care. But when feelings accumulate over time, now we start to get the dis-ease that gets expressed in reactive emotional states. So to come back to your question, where do I get fucked up? I would assert I don't. I just have feelings. And I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. hmm and that's the difference, is that I allow my humanity. I'm not trying to be perfect. Mm-hmm. The difference is, ironically, again, the more you allow yourself to just feel, the more you're free and the less you have upsetting, quote-unquote, negative feelings. Because it's like, ah, it's okay. It's, it's one of my favorite memes I ever saw. And one of the first teachers I ever came across was Krishnamurti. I mm-hmm. don't know if you're familiar with no. any of his work. But he's in that lineage of Ramana Maharshi and some of these Vedanta teachers. And it's a meme and it says a bit, on it, he says, this is my secret. I don't mind what happens. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Isn't yeah, that beautiful? It's beautiful.
1: Yeah. Now this also ties into your preference question because people then come up to me. Yeah. Well, what the hell? Then why wouldn't you do, do, do or date with this person? I'm like, well, because I also have personal preference. Mm-hmm. Love includes me. And I think this is where a lot of women fall prey to the fact that they think love is something they are supposed to do and especially mothers, right? So the, the image I use as a mother, she has love as this sort of idea that she has to embrace the family and the kids and it's exhausting and it's more martyrdom. And I say, no, 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 love is the arms that are also around you. Mm. So you get your own personal preference too. I can love everybody and I assert that I do, you know, to the best of my, I have met every human being. There might be right. some I'm not that in love with, but <laughs> but I also allow my personal preference. I don't want, you know, um, the majority of people to come over to my house for Christmas, you know, right. and that's okay because right. I get my
0: personal preference, but I'm so, not going
1: to judge anyone for who they are.
0: So let's talk about the, the line. Let's talk about when a feeling is the transition between a feeling into an emotion mm-hmm. and like for you. So you've just played shitty tennis. Yeah you accept and allow yourself to be frustrated about, yeah. the, about the shitty tennis that you played. Yeah. There's, if you allow that to continue, it could turn into an emotion of yes. shame, an emotion of judgment, a fear yes. of getting older, a f- all of these other things that could yeah. be longer yeah. things. But so you permit and allow this to go, and then, then you just allow it to run its course, or do you take an active step where you just pause and say, okay, feeling, that was that was great yeah and now let's have a little chuckle and move on with it is it an active process or does it become a passive process or is that something that evolves
1: um it evolves like if you look at the four levels of consciousness like i don't know if you're familiar with that from maslow where it's like you know people for the most part are unconsciously incompetent (laughs) (laughs) right got that right lowest level then it becomes consciously incompetent right so you're oblivious to the fact that you have these flaws like you know to a certain degree it may seem harsh but you are unconsciously incompetent around the idea that you have the capacity to let people down Mm -hmm. right and we brought that to conscious incompetence Mm -hmm. which was like wow that's liberating it kind of hurts but it's like wow i can see that i've had the belief that i can let people down or do something wrong then the next level is conscious competence right so now i'm i'm aware of the fact that i have that tendency and that pattern but you're aware of it so that would be the active expression of it right mm-hmm. it's like, oh i have a tendency to be hard on myself when i play sports but i'm aware of it so that would be more active i would assert where i'm at is now i'm unconsciously competent mm-hmm. right so now it's integrated it's an automatic, like, I'm okay with whatever I'm feeling. And so it becomes present time. Emotions are stuck in time, right? So the difference between a feeling and emotion is the illusion of time. So when we hold on to something, if somebody's hurt or they express anger, what's happened is really they got hurt at some point And now the expression of their frustration is the manifestation of that time of hurt. Yeah. Right? You squeeze an orange, orange juice comes out of it. Yeah. You put a human under pressure, you will see whatever they're still holding on to. It's usually not that pretty. <laughs> right? So so if you're unconsciously competent at that highest level of integration, uh, there's there's just the natural expression. It's, as I said, it becomes childlike. A kid isn't going, oh, shit, like I just had a tantrum. Like, how can I work on that? It's like, no, they're over it because you just gave them like a candy. <laughs> yeah. There, there's no lingering in time. Mm -hmm. it's only through the narratives of when we start to learn this is good that is bad don't do this this is right this is wrong now we get into this world of self-analysis and judgment that i'm not doing it the right way a kid has no conversation like a young kid has no conversation about what they did as it relates to what was right or wrong right they threw up on their auntie's dress they didn't know that it's a gucci and you shouldn't have done that (laughs) yeah, yeah <laughs> They're yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. I was sick. In fact, I didn't even think I, I just threw up because my body recognizes something inside of me that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, right? It's only when we add the narratives on top of behavior that now we get stuck into suffering. And that's the difference. So getting to a place where you can be totally okay with all self-expressions, embracing with love your humanity and your imperfections. The things happen in present time, they don't get lingered and stuck in time, past or future.
0: So really it is it is time that becomes the most important mm-hmm. th- the the thing that you're really talking about here. Cause in the present moment all feelings are okay. Yeah. But when you're they they're just what they are. Yeah. But then if you're carrying that back, like if you were still mad about your tennis performance, yes. Well then you're stuck in a past time. Yes. Not allowing for the present time, which is this conversation that we're having here and yeah whatever you're carrying on for the rest of your day, you'd be still stuck in some past experience of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess that's the that's the answer then is just allow in the present to be what is in the present, but not continue to hark back and keep yourself stuck in some past. Yes. Or in some projected future reality. Yes. That could also that you can also use to keep you stuck. It's just collapsing everything back to now.
1: Easier said than done, but it's accurate. Right. So
0: you were sitting here educated,
1: smart, well traveled, well, you know, successful in the terms of finances, but you didn't know that you were stuck in time. How old are you now? Thirty-eight. Thirty-eight, great. So twenty-one years ago, you were quote unquote, what we revealed was a time vessel of emotion from a kid who absolutely justifiably felt disappointed, but then that got cascaded into two plus decades of self-judgment in a way that was oblivious to you. Mm -hmm. so it's one thing to say oh well then all you've got to do is let go but what are you letting go of that you can't see Mm -hmm. therein lies the work right Mm -hmm. so again i use the expression you can't be held accountable for that which you're oblivious to yeah
0: and that's where there's more compassion forgive them for they know not what they do exactly forgive yourself because you didn't know what you were doing because if you did you wouldn't have done it yes (laughs) you know but it is the
1: collapsing and the completion of things that are unreconciled and unresolved in our past right so there's where there's hurt you know this is where people talk about trauma and it's basically an event that happened that created some kind of disappointment upset or hurt, really that then didn't get fully integrated. It's what I call like emotional indigestion, right? You were unable to process something that happened in a time and in space that is still now energetically in your system. And freedom is the byproduct of processing those things that you haven't yet processed. Mm -hmm. And that's why to come full circle, to why I said when I start with anyone, I start with the space of unconditional love which is it's okay to feel whatever you're currently feeling and the things that you don't even know you're feeling that you've never been given enough time and support to actually bring back to the surface and feel again like we witnessed you beautifully which is why it's a privilege to me hold a space for you to be able to bring something that's two decades old to the surface have some tears feel and hold that boy and realize he was truly doing the best he could He's a sweet kid. He gave his heart and his soul, and there's still some stuff there, right? Sure. Yeah. And to be able to bring that, reconcile it, that now allows you to be more present, which is the access to more power, because if I'm present, then I'm integrated and I'm intimate with my surroundings. If I'm not, I'm in my head. I'm in the illusion of time. I'm not fully present. I'm not engaged, and therefore, I would have less influence. Mm-hmm. So the most powerful people are the ones who have less history, they're not dragging the quintessential baggage around with them because I'm fully here with you now. Yeah. And that's my entire life.
0: Where, so another question I would have then is, and we touched on this a little bit, but I'd like to expand upon it a little bit. Yeah. You were talking about boundary and, and you are talking about personal preference. Yes. So let's say it has to do with a, a relationship. Okay. And it could be a friendship, it could be a business <laughs> business relationship, it could be an intimate relationship, but all forms of relationship yeah. where you can love that person unconditionally for exactly as who they are. Yes. And understand that who they are is the best they can be and you could love that. Yeah. Do you find any tension or any challenge in deciding when you put that line and say hey you know this this relationship the time that we're spending together or Mm -hmm. the agreement that we have to mutually work on this is no longer serving me Mm you know and yeah and and making that decision yeah you know knowing that like like how do you what do you have any of your own kind of guidelines and understanding or is this just kind of coming from a knowing or is this is there any kind of thought pattern or is there any kind of way that you can look and say okay this is no longer serving i love you as you are yes. but it's no longer serving my preference purpose yeah. whatever other words you want to use yeah to create the boundary
1: for sure and i think it's uh it's a very delicate subject right because let's say and i've had these examples the individual you're referring to and i'm assuming you have people like this in your life to generate the question is your own child yeah it's your own child for example and your own child is a heroin addict um that becomes a very difficult conversation to have right because do you facilitate and enable by providing finance for that person because you know if you don't then worst case scenario, or do you disengage because of what you're committed to? And I, I can't sit here and have the audacity to tell people what to do. I can only say, I will love you regardless of your choice. And I will support you as best I can, because it comes down to the individual. It's a degree of commitment. Like if you're, if it is a family member or it's a spouse, or it's somebody that you genuinely really care for, then there is that fine line between what is enabling and what is empowerment. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, with people I work with, cause quote unquote, they are within the f- first standard deviation of normal functional people, you know, mm-hmm. stuck in, you know, you're an extraordinary human who didn't know that you were stuck in an old paradigm. Right. True. So most people I'm working with, I can be tough love is like I get in people's faces because I'm basically appealing to the fact that you're extraordinary, but you're looking through the lens of a little child pretending that you're not. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there comes a time where it's like, okay, I'm just going to tell you to stop being a baby. Right. Um, But there's times when people don't have the faculties or the resources to really be able to access that because whether it's genetic disposition, is it that they've had so many drugs in their lifetime that they're just completely disconnected? And now you really are stepping into the role of a caregiver, of a parent. And that is a tough, that is a very tough place to be. Um, For me personally, I just know the way I phrase it is what does and doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. you know like a very simple example a roommate i hadn't had a roommate for years and he couldn't pay rent on the second month of a 10-month agreement that we had and i love the guy but he couldn't pay rent and i sat there talk about what fucks me up to use your term you know in a beautiful home but i couldn't sleep properly because my mind is trying to figure out well shit i care about the guy but i've paid the full rent And if I kick him out, now I lose what was otherwise going to help me. But if I don't kick him out, I'm not honoring my values. And eventually my values won, which is it doesn't work for me to people not to honor their word. Mm -hmm. And that's really, for me, the most defining factor is what did you say? And did you adhere to what you said so that I can trust you? And if you don't, then I'm going to be a man of my word and stick to what I said I'm committed to. And so that's the kind of... And what is it? Say
0: say it one more time. What are you committed to more than... Well, in that
1: case, I was committed
0: to paying rent. (laughs) yeah, Yeah, yeah. So you were committed to an agreement.
1: I was committed to the fact that rent is due. Yeah. You know, and if somebody, you know, you're a businessman too, right? So if you have some kind of contractual agreement with somebody, which is just a slightly more ingrained form of word, right? Like it's now written, you've got attorneys involved or whatever it is. But really what you're saying is I said I would do this. Now, if somebody doesn't do that, there's a whole litany of like, how flexible are you with somebody's like, yeah, sort of loss of sticking to their word? Like, you know, I meet you say today, I meet you at one o'clock, and I showed up at one fifteen. You know, if you really were like stringent, you're like, ah, dude, sorry, we can't do the podcast. <laughs> that, <laughs> that might be a little extreme, right? Of course. But I honor time, and I honor your time, and so I want to be here. But the stuff happens, right? So. Sure. But there's different levels of like, okay, let's take a marriage. That's a pretty serious commitment. And people, quote unquote, don't stick to the agreement. And so now it's like, to what degree are you willing to tolerate someone's infidelity or somebody's lack of support? That's beyond what you agreed to, right? So this is, again, why it's not for me to tell people how they subjectively choose to see what they do and don't tolerate. I have my feelings about what works for me, and I feel I'm incredibly accommodating. But I also want to honor what does and doesn't work for me. And that is, as I said, the love that encompasses me. I'm not here to be a Mother Teresa. Like, I mean, I don't know. She probably had her own like boundaries too, I hope. But like, it's not for me to be a saint and just let people quote unquote, take advantage of me. Mm -hmm. I feel I'm immensely loving, but that also means that I might want to go to bed at eight o'clock to make sure that I get a good night's sleep. And other people might have judgment of that but I'm going to honor that for myself, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the love. And if I'm maybe dating somebody who loves to go out and party and, you know, stays up till midnight, chances are that relationship's not going to go far Mm -hmm. because I want to honor what works for me. that
0: That doesn't align with what? What I'm committed to and what I've discovered
1: actually makes me feel like I'm fully alive and that I can thrive and that I can have this level of precision and attention and a presence with what I'm committed to, which is my commitment is to liberating people, is to shifting the course of humanity by helping people wake up from their own illusion of suffering. That's a big commitment and it doesn't allow me to, it's not like I'm even interested to go out and get shit-faced. I'm not going to be who I was today for you if that was what I did last night sure and that's not a right or wrong it's just what i'm committed to because to me that is the thing that fills my bucket the most is where can i help people break free of the constraints of their subconscious mind i have yet to find anything that is more valuable to me than that
0: so it it seems as if to distill some of this is a lot of that a helpful way to make those decisions is to have a clearly articulated and committed understanding of who you are and what your purpose is yes That definitely
1: is a huge help.
0: That's a huge help to have that. And then to be able to say, Is this person that I can love them and I can forgive them always exactly as they are? But is their presence in my life contributing or being depletive? Is it accretive or depletive to this overall mission that's greater than me, this overall purpose that's greater than me, which includes me, of course. Yes, of course. But and is it and that's something that you can kind of use and be like, wow this, you know, relationship that i that we have is not actually, you know, it's not actually bringing me closer to what my yeah. most sacred purpose is, what it's, my ethos is.
1: And in a very tangible real life example, i've got a couple of olympians i'm working with in preparation for tokyo. Mm-hmm. And one of them in particular was behaving in a way that was not reflective of somebody who's committed to going to the olympics. And that didn't work for me. And so through love, because I'm holding them to the account of their own word, they say, I want to do X, but their behavior was not a reflection of X. So as somebody who is responsible in my own choice of helping them get to their goal, I had to point out that you're not behaving in accordance with what you say you want. And that shifted the course of their behavior in a way that was powerful for them. Now, they could have turned around and said, oh, well, I changed my mind. I'm like, great. Well, then, you know, keep doing what you're doing. There's nothing wrong, but does it align with what you say you're committed to? Mm -hmm. Think about like just an everyday example. People say, I want to lose weight, which first of all is a very powerless expression right you don't lose weight right? it's not like oh shit does anyone has anyone see my ass <laughs> <laughs> i lost 20 pounds just at the mall i can't find my glutes check the couch cushions <laughs> there might be some in there so but like as a commitment to creating you know a more vital body a healthier body if somebody says that and especially now i don't know when this is going to air but like you know beginning of 2020 new year's resolutions how many people will say I want to do this or I'm committed to that, but then fall short two, three weeks into January. In the high 90%. Right? Doesn't make them bad people, but what it does show is that they don't actually understand how our language is creating our reality. And if you don't have any kind of real relationship to that, then words become cheap. And this is one of the things that I teach every parent. When they say, well, why do my kids not listen to me? I'm like, I promise you, because you say X and X doesn't happen and they learn that your words are meaningless right? And so that's where I'm, I'm helping people to understand the power of a commitment. And to your point, yes, if you have a real overarching purpose, that helps. But most people don't, because as we said earlier in the conversation, most people are just trying to survive. And that's why there's compassion. And until you go through the sort of that eye of the needle, and go, holy shit, there's nothing wrong with me. And that is now where I get to explore a new dimension, as I said to you earlier, that is, you know, where most people are living, which is I'm just trying to get through the day. I mean, it's difficult. Forget about a freaking purpose to like, you know, free the world or save humanity. Like, I just want to be able to like get a nicer car and pay my rent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's totally okay. And that's where
0: people are at, you know? Yeah. Um, so what, what about when, let's say someone says something to you, yeah, but you pretty much know mm-hmm. that they're not going to be able to stick to that word. Yeah you know it's like you guys have a clear understanding you have an agreement but you're yeah. like i know that i know that you know pretty with pretty good certainty yeah. you're not going to be able to meet this commitment yeah right do you let them do you let them fail mm-hmm. or do you at that point say like i just don't i don't believe you you know, that it depends
1: on the person. What I would, in that case, I'm because I like to be fully, quote unquote, accountable for my life and my responsibility in the way that I show up for people. I would be much more intrigued to ask them, "Why do you think you have to say that to me? Who am I in the space of who you are that doesn't allow you to be honest with me?" Mm-hmm. Right? Meaning, what? What is?
0: They're probably not being honest with themselves.
1: No, for sure. So that's part of their accountability, like where they're oblivious. Right. But to really make it an empowering conversation, who am I in the way that I occur to you, like how you view me that makes you feel like whether you admire me because of my work or you look up to me. So, you know, the little kid that wants to impress, right? That's all that energy is. If someone's saying, oh, I'll do this. Really what they're saying is maybe I'm trying to impress you. Right. Yeah. We've all done that. I can remember at college, everyone talking about a book. I'd never read it, but everyone's like, oh, yeah. And I just pretended because I wanted to fit in. Like no one's going to begrudge a 19 year old who's trying to make friends at college, you know, to lie. But it wasn't powerful. So if somebody is saying something to me that is something that I really feel isn't actually a truthful statement for them, I want to provide more love that they can say no i don't want to do this because i'm lazy i'd much rather that than oh i'm going to impress you with all of these things i'm going to accomplish because at least i'm related to them it might mm-hmm. not be someone i want to hire <laughs> but right, right. but at least they hey nice to meet you. you know i'm 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 flattered that you can be that open with me mm-hmm. right this is where real families kind of get get into the meat of conversations right because they feel sufficiently free with each other because they love each other they can express their feelings honestly yeah right and that's i and think then, you,
0: yeah and have the freedom to actually look at themselves honestly with that, yeah. and be willing to surrender their surrender their fear of something they're attached to
1: yeah versus we you know we get all dressed up and we think we have to act in a certain way depending on the environment we're in and it's you know it's human but it's not it's just not powerful <laughs> mm-hmm. it's okay everyone get over each other you know everybody's got their fears and their intrepidations and you know, you don't have to be like somebody for me just because you
0: think that I have a particular view of you.
1: You know, it's like, it's like whoa, it's just confusing. It's like, just, just tell me what's going on.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if someone shows up and is not able to do that, then that's where the discretion and the boundary comes in.
1: Yeah, or the opportunity to help facilitate somebody to recognize that that doesn't work, it's not powerful. Maybe they get an opportunity to grow and go, oh, wow, you're right. Because I know from my own personal experience that I have said many things that I didn't fulfill on. Does that make me a bad person? No, I think I'm a very loving person, but I'm also human, sure. and I'm getting better and better at honoring the things that I declare that I'm committed to. Yeah, but that's a progression just like anything. You know, you pick up any activity—a martial art, a sport, uh, playing a piano—we're all beginners at some level, and then we take on this progress of hopefully becoming a master. And the same is true in this line of work that I'm talking about. And most people are just like you know at the beginner stage, and it's
0: okay. Yeah
1: all okay more love and compassion
0: i'm 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 about full i'm about full of ideas and concepts and thoughts okay <laughs> so Ready I, to don't, pop. <laughs> I don't yeah, i don't know i don't know if we can go farther no, this without, is beautiful. without me continuing to this is a such a beautiful conversation man i'm yeah. so deeply grateful for it and i'm looking forward yeah. to integrating you know this this is a this is a very you know powerful and unique experience where i get to actually be a part of a yeah transformation in a podcast where i was intending and believing that i was going to be interviewing you about interesting things but in in the process i ended up learning some incredibly important things about myself so which
1: is so beautiful right and i'm just again like i i to quote the end of casablanca like louis this is the start of a beautiful friendship right so um i'm excited for what we get to share moving forward i'm excited for what the viewers got to experience for themselves hopefully a sense of liberation where they've had judgment for many years of something they did in their history that they've had as was wrong or bad and um and certainly for you it's just really beautiful to see you know that heart get really opened and for you to make enough space for the part of you that didn't always do things maybe in your mind that you think you should have done and to make space for that that's
0: that's a whole new world of freedom. No doubt, man. No doubt. Where can people look for you? Find you. You said you got a book. Coming that out that I'm working on. Out? Yes, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, that's going to be, I think I'm going to have another product before that, which is an online course because people keep asking for more of this. So actually, mm-hmm. it's four cool videos like this, but more intentionally working with people I'd never met before. So you sort of mm-hmm. vicariously see their, their path to freedom. Um, so really the easiest way is through my website, petercrone.com uh or now you know on the dizzy uh, heights of instagram <laughs> peter crone mm-hmm. official mm-hmm. so they're my main things i think i just somebody just started a facebook for me i've resisted that for a long time but yeah. now I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm on there too so yeah yeah i'm pretty easy to find so, beautiful
0: man yeah well thank you brother oh I appreciate thank you this. what, a, what and, uh, a joy to be with you like, yeah likewise really, yeah likewise so much fun yeah, yeah much love. for sure much love to you too thank and you. much love to all of you guys yeah thank you so much peace <laughs> Well, all I can say about this podcast is wow. Like that was a real thing and a real thing that I'll carry with me for the rest of my life. And hopefully, you guys feel the same way. So, reach out to Peter, let him know what you think. Reach out to me, let me know what you think. I really love you guys and I hope you got as much out of this podcast as I did. And I'm just so thankful that you're on this journey with me and that I can share all of my struggles and all of my challenges and hopefully you guys get the benefits out of all of that as well so thank you so much everybody please share this podcast with anybody who you think might benefit from it i think a lot of people can and that's probably the best way to show your gratitude for anything that you hear is just to share it just spread the word and that's how we're all going to make everyone around us better that's how we're going to help change the world by changing ourselves and helping people change themselves so i love you guys and i'll see you next week